0: The mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope and in our waiting, we are never alone. God is with us. Well, hello, Ward Church, everyone here in person, everyone joining us online. My name is Nicole Eunice. I'm part of the teaching team here at Ward. I'm new to the team, so if I haven't met you in person, I'm hoping soon we might all be back together in person and I can meet you there, but if not, um, I just wanna thank you for your warm welcome, and I'm excited to be a part of what God's doing here, um, particularly as we look to 2021. Before I get into the message this morning, I wanna let you know about something we're planning for all of us to together as a church going into 2021. I don't know if you've been thinking that everything's going to change when the calendar shifts. It feels like something people have been saying since the beginning of 2020, or at least since March 15th, but newsflash, I don't think it's actually going to change in January, but things can be different for us. Things can be different for the way that we engage in the world. And so we are going to take a Bible reading challenge together as a church using a book that I wrote last year called Help My Bible Is Alive. The book is actually designed to help you fall in love with God's word. It's not about reading huge chunks of scripture. It's about actually knowing how to engage in the Bible in every day of your life in a way that changes the way you experience God. So for some of you, that's been your story. That's you're a faithful Bible reader and you know that you experience the abiding love of God through the word. But for some of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but um, for some of you, you actually find the Bible boring, irrelevant, hard to understand, hard to engage with. And I want you to know that you're not alone. It's actually the majority of people sitting in churches who do not actually engage with scripture every day. So we wanna do our part to change that as a church. So whether you've been a faithful Bible reader or you're in that second category, we're all going to journey together through this 30-day process. So we've got books here today in church in the main hallway, and you can meet me there afterward if you'd like to check it out. Or if you're joining us online, you can go to my website, NicoleUnis.com slash ward. We've put together a place for you to just drop your email address, and this will send you like the links that you need. We're all going to be in this together starting January 11th. So that's coming in 2021, but before we get there, we are starting Advent, and I'm really excited to kick off our series called God With Us. Advent means waiting, waiting for a new coming, and in this season of uncertainty that we are all in collectively, it feels all the more... Like we just are just so excited that it's Christmas. Anyone already have their Christmas decorations up or some up? Raise your hand if you do. Yes, excellent. Not surprising, more of them in the 9.30. They're usually the planners, you know, the early morning folks. They Lots of them have their stuff up. If anyone wants to come decorate for me, I would appreciate it. Nothing happening in my home yet, but I'm enjoying the lights and the decorations and just the enthusiasm that people have. Maybe like no other time, just so excited for Christmas. And I think we we love, the tradition we love what christmas brings we're drawn to what's comfortable and secure and predictable and if there is one place in our culture where we can see that it is in hallmarks countdown to christmas movies if you have not partaken in a hallmark movie let me tell you about this cultural phenomena they made 40 new movies this season a hallmark movie on saturday night draws more households than fox cbs all the other ones total. Their average viewer is 3.5 million viewers for each movie. Let me just tell you, in case you've never seen one, all the storylines are the same. Every single thing happens just the same with different faces. It's a boy and a girl. They fall in love. There's always a moment of uncertainty. And I try to imagine being in the Hallmark like producing office where they're like, the people can't handle uncertainty this year. It can only last 30 seconds. So there's a very predictable moment of uncertainty. And then they all, it always ends the same way. They fall in love. It's Christmas time. It's beautiful. There's a reason that we're drawn in droves to this kind of thing. Our world feels shaken and we want something unshakable. And our world, at least in my lifetime, is more shaken than ever before. And I wonder if Advent and the Christmas season can also mean something more for us than ever before. A new way to engage with a story we all know with fresh eyes for rediscovering an unshakable faith in a with me God. The series that we're capturing, this God with me idea, we take from Matthew chapter one, a familiar story. You're familiar with the Christmas story. And in Matthew, it starts with an angel of the Lord visiting Joseph. And when the angel visits Joseph in a dream, he says this in Matthew 1, 21. Speaking of Mary, his betrothed, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins verse 22 all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son now listen to this this is a second name and you will call him Emmanuel which means God with us in our opening passage of the series we actually have two names Jesus who will save the people from his sins but followed right by this prophecy this idea of Emmanuel God with us Frederick Buechner once said, we have to ask ourselves before we even engage with us, who is God and why does it matter that he's with us? You see, Christianity is the only religion that has a with us God. Every major religion has a God that's above us, a God that's more powerful than us. But the distinctive of Christianity is Emmanuel. It is the incarnation. That Jesus, fully man, fully God, came to be with us. And given that this is the distinctive of our faith, I wonder why it matters for your life, and particularly for our time today. What does it mean that God is with us in the valley? In the valleys of life, what does it mean that we have a promise that God is with us in the valley? It may seem easy to give God glory on the mountaintops, although when I thought about it this week, I was like, is it? Or is it just easy to give him cred On the mountaintops. You know, you think about Oscar winners holding their Oscar. I give all glory to God. It's easy to give God cred on the mountaintops, but what about in the valleys of our life? Valleys can be an external experience that we have, but valleys can also be an internal experience in this vast interior that is your soul we can experience valleys in life as well. Valleys are a metaphor that are used in scripture that we're going to look at in just a moment. But I thought I might think of what might qualify as a valley for you in life. So here's a few ideas on what might qualify as a valley for you. Disappointment, particularly disappointments when they're laid on top of each other over time. Conflict, we've never lived in a more divisive time. Pain, pain. Uncertainty. Certainly we all know what uncertainty feels like. We have collective uncertainty right now. And then loss. And loss doesn't mean just the loss of a loved one um, who has gone on and passed away, but also the losses that we experience in life, the loss of experience. I was just speaking to someone between services. This is so sad about not having the Thanksgiving that they would normally have. There's The loss of experience, the loss of relationship, the loss of expectations, all of these things can make us go through valleys in life, dips in our soul. And here's the thing about valleys. Valleys can be a problem, but I also think that they can be an opportunity, because the valleys of life will either challenge or confirm what we already believe. Valleys in life are times that challenge or confirm what we already believe. It's not so much that life is about detouring or avoiding or trying to fill in the valleys because that's not the experience of human existence. The valleys are about a time where we learn what we really believe about ourselves, what we really believe about our God and about the way he is with or not with us in those seasons. Pastor Scott said last week in his message, God isn't in it for the good life, he's in it for the soul life. And valleys in our life are times where the soul life becomes more uh, evident, more important, more essential to the way that we're living. In the mountaintops, we can just give God credibility, but in the valleys, we experience what we truly believe. This idea of valley comes from Psalm 84. Let's look at it together. It starts in verse five like this. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And that sounds good. Right? For those of you who are joining us online, if you've just been missing the experience of being together with believers, if you, if you know that feeling, that, that a church sort of feels like home, even if it's not always perfect, of course it's not. It always feels like home. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents became believers in their 20s. They were very, very uh, passionate about us being in church together, but I was also an army brat, so we moved every couple of years. So I've been to lots of different churches And some of them were great, some of them maybe not so great, some of them interesting, some of them sometimes didn't feel as interesting. I was very good at counting the rafters in the ceiling. Don't look up. (laughs) Um, But what I realized when I look back on that time is that no matter what kind of experience I was having in church, it always felt like home. It felt like a safe place. And I think that was my soul's way of connecting to my Heavenly Father. Blessed are those who dwell in his house. We know that feeling of being together, but the passage goes on. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those who are in your house. Blessed are those who are journey, and we are all on pilgrimage together. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. It becomes a place of refreshment. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. This valley of Baca, it's kind of interpreted two different ways. It might mean a valley of tears, a valley of discouragement. It also means this kind of tree that would grow in a place that would be dry, a place of dryness. I don't know if you've ever felt that dryness in your soul, that sense of disconnection where you feel like you can't quite get to God. And isn't that how it it feels? It's like the God above us feeling. I can't quite get to God. And yet even in in doing that, I'm betraying a little bit of a lack of belief in the idea that it's God with us. That through Christ, we can experience God with us no matter where we are. It may be a place of uh, discouragement, the valley. It may be a place of dryness. Valley also represent places of danger. Just from like a military standpoint, if you're down in a low point, you are more um, vulnerable because people above you or danger above you can see down at you. So coming into a valley is also a place of danger. And I think no matter what kind of valley you experience, whether it's an external valley, a circumstance in your life that others can see and know because of loss or conflict or pain that you're experiencing that you're going through it, or if it's an internal valley, in that landscape of your soul, perhaps something that those around you might not see. Either place is a place where, again, we are challenged or confirmed in what we believe. The temptation of the valley is to believe that what you've always feared may be true about you, about God, about the world. But the reality is it's only in the valley that we discover what's really true about God and about us. You see, valleys create uncertainty. And human beings do not like uncertainty. We like the movies that always end happy. That's why we all watch them. There was a recent study doing, and a study showed that people would rather definitely get an electric shock now than maybe be shocked later. They actually showed more activation in their nervous system, just thinking about the possibility of maybe getting a shock. They prefer to just get it over with. Everyone does not like uncertainty, but where people differ is in how much this uncertainty bothers them. And the more bothered by uncertainty a person is, is highly correlated with depression, with anxiety, with a lack of resilience in life. You see, friends, I think of us as believers who are journeying together through the valleys and mountaintops of this world and journeying together through a collective valley of uncertainty in this Advent season, and I think, wow, If it's hard for us, imagine what it would be like without a savior. Shouldn't we be the ones who understand, who acknowledge, who experience what it really means that we have a God who says that he is with us? You see, what happens in the valleys over time, particularly in uncertainty, has been studied in people, and it's this kind of negative thinking that develops when we're on those places of conflict, pain, disappointment, loss. And it's called the three Ps of negative thinking. And these three P's of negative thinking, that what is happening in the valley is personal, it's pervasive, and it's permanent. So you can just apply this to your life. I'll apply it to one of my teenagers who recently had a difficult test score. And as I'm working with my teenager, what I'm hearing coming out of them is this pervasive, personalized thinking. So it's personal. I'm a failure. I'll never get it right. I'm bad. It's pervasive. This one test represents everything else in my life that's about to go south. Like, because this one hard thing happened, all the rest of it is now going to be hard. And then third, it's permanent. It will never change. We are now in the valley of death, and we shall never exit the valley of death, all because of one test score. Now, that's an easy example. But a more vulnerable example would be that I've been in a difficult season before, And I've been in a difficult season of uncertainty and loss. And in that difficult place, it is a dangerous valley because it's a valley where you begin to believe I must be the one who messed up. And it's a valley where it's easy to believe you know what? This one thing now defines me, and like everything else matters differently because of this one thing. And it's a place that feels permanent. That can never change. And I'm not sure if you've ever experienced a valley of uncertainty like that. But because our God is a God who has wired us and created us, he's actually given us a promise that changes all three of these pervasive ways of thinking. The first is that God promises that he's with us in the valley when it's an external valley, when it's a valley that we might struggle with, that others might know. Very familiar Psalm 23 Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are what? With me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is also with us in the internal struggles in the weaknesses that we experience in the interior of our soul, the ones perhaps that other people don't know as much about. Hebrews 4.15 says it this way, for we do not have a high priest, that's speaking of Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Do not miss what this verse is saying to us because what it could say is we do not have a high priest who is not perfect, who hasn't been through everything you've been through and done it right. That would be a spirit of condemnation. We have a high priest who's perfect, so be perfect like him. That's not what it says. The tone is a tone of comfort. It's a with me tone. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with your weaknesses, yet he shows us what it looks like to walk through and out of the valley, because he's perfect in every way and he did not sin in those broken places. God is with us in our external struggles. He's with us with our internal struggles, and he gives us promises that combat every part of that negative thinking that can sink in when we've been in the valley longer than we've wanted, when we've been in a valley that we never expected, when we've been in a valley that feels like it's just not going away. God is with us personally. God is with us personally. Isaiah 43.1 says this. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. In another study on names psychologists discovered that when a person hears their name called, it activates a part of their brain, the deepest place of identity formation, the part of the brain that's connected to the way we form our identity. They were actually even able to study those in a comma, in a persistive vegetative state. That part of their brain was activated when they heard their own name. You see, what's more powerful than your personalization of every negative thing that you're experiencing, of all the uncertainty, what's more powerful than that sense of shame and failure that can overcome any one of us, what's more powerful than that is a God who says he calls you by name. And when we do our scripture challenge together in January, you're gonna see several places within our workbook together where I actually invite you to personalize scripture in places where it's appropriate to do so, where it's a a promise that God is making to his people. I invite you to write your name into those places because there's something so powerful about knowing that our God is a personal God who personally redeems you and calls you, yes, you, by your name. second thing, our God is with us pervasively. And that might seem like a funny word to use, but I I love the word pervasively because we don't use it all that much. It means just permeates every part of your life and you're coming and you're going and you're laying down and you're getting up. It's everywhere. He's everywhere with us. He's not a God like this. He's a God like this. He invites us to know and he continues in Isaiah 43. He says it this way, When you pass through the waters, what? I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. My husband, Dave, and I have three kids, as I mentioned, three teenagers now. But I remember so clearly when we had that first baby. And when I think about this season of Advent and the way that Jesus came into the world, we all know Jesus could have come into the world any way he wanted to. He could have just rode down on a chariot, ascended from heaven, could have claimed conquest. Instead, he came as a vulnerable, helpless baby. And for me as a mother, and for those of you who've been a mother, you know that there's a particular um, with- Characteristic of, of being pregnant, of, of having a life inside of you that, that doesn't really even have words to describe what that embodiment feels like unless you've been through it. And I think about this idea, this prophecy, Emmanuel, God with us, that God shows this human experience that's the most with experience that I think that a person can have. And I remember that first one, that first baby, You know, I, our son's name's Charlie, he's 18 now. And I remember so clearly just this like overpowering sense that I had to keep my eyes on this child at all times, like this, this huge holy responsibility to be, to be with this helpless baby at all times. I distinctly remember putting him in his car seat and setting him down next to my laundry machine because I needed to do something in the car and feeling this sense of anxiety, like I'm not with the baby something had happened to the baby it didn't it wasn't like that with the second and third at all I would find the third one just asleep on the ground I wouldn't even remember that I left him in a room I'm like oh there he is Desmond oh he's sleeping so anyway it went away but I think God's more like the first one God gives us this metaphor that he's our heavenly father he gives us and tells us through Jesus all the time be like little children and when you think about being a parent and being with a child, and I think about that moment with Charlie in the, the car seat where I just felt like I needed to have my eyes on him and be with him. And I'm like, this is how our heavenly father feels about us. Even when you feel disconnected from him, he is with you. And if nothing else, what would it be like in this season, in these moments where you feel that uncertainty, that loss, that frustration, if all you said is, God, help me to know that you're with me. Not God, be with me. He's already with you. Help me to recognize that you're with me. God, help me to recognize that you're with me. Wherever you go, no matter how dark, God is with you. Finally, God is with us permanently. God is with us permanently. Matthew 28, Jesus said this, the resurrected Christ before he ascended to heaven. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of the age. Revelation 1, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God is with us permanently. The story he's been telling is the same story from Genesis to Revelation. The story that we find in the Psalms, the idea of pilgrimage, the idea of the valleys that we'll go through, what we read about the valley of evil, the valley of the shadow of death. That same story is culminated in Revelation. At the end of the time and right in the middle is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. Who was, who is, who is to come. He's with us permanently. And every time your thinking takes you to a place that makes that negative, that uncertainty, personal or pervasive or permanent, I want to invite you to remember these promises. Psalm 23, where we started today. Let's look at what the rest of it says. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now look at what it says next. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Look at this. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now remember where we just were two verses ago. Where were we? in the valley of the shadow of death, in the valley of darkness. This is saying to us, hey, even in the darkness, even in the valley, God's goodness and love is there too because his goodness and love is with you all the days of your life, the mountaintop days and the valley days. His goodness and love are following you. They're following you personally, you. They're following you pervasively. God is with you. And they're following you permanently as we pilgrimage together through this world. I wanna close today with a little passage from this book called Honest Advent. It's a new Advent book that I've picked up by Scott Erickson. And he talks about this idea of what Jesus's life means to us. Jesus's life helps us see our own lives more clearly. There are many ways this happens, but for one, his being human affirms our being human. It affirms that we are not supposed to be anywhere else but here, now, in this life, in this world. From being born into it to disappearing from it, this is the life we are asked to live. You are supposed to be here. For another, he affirms that we, in some mysterious way, are this mix of something seen and unseen. That we came from somewhere and we are going somewhere just like he did. And the physical world is the doorway to that somewhere. And God is not only present to us there, God is right alongside of us here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you give us these two names for yourself in Matthew 1, Jesus who will save us from our sins, Emmanuel, God with us. And it seems good and right that not one of those exists without the other. That, Jesus, you are this victorious, powerful Savior who can overcome even the deepest darkness in our soul. But, Jesus, you are also God with us, who walks with us, who travels with us, who empathizes with our weakness. God, you are Savior and suffering servant. And we pray, Lord, that we might know the fullness of who you are just even a little bit more this week and this month as we journey toward Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.